0: media the views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of any entities they represent including olas media all right fam welcome back to the community Woo! it's another one today hey look today i have ewan Watt. see ewan the mcgregor keeps popping in my head man and i know (laughs) but look fam my man is a stand-up dude that is just has been 100 with me from the day we met um he actually probed and and made me think deeper about what i was doing where i was engaged so I have nothing but love and appreciation for the dude. And I think after you hear uh, hear him talk and understand what he's trying to accomplish and the things that drive him, you will have the same level of appreciation and respect for him. So, fam, pull up a chair for my man, Ewing Watt, and let's get this conversation rolling. Media presents
1: Reason 55.
0: Ewan, thanks for being good. here
1: today, brother. No, not at all. Um, can you uh compare me to uh Ewan McGregor a little more? <laughs> uh, we can talk about the other stuff later on, but you know, this this conversation's off to a great start. So uh yeah.
0: Oh good, oh good, man. Well, look, fam, I met You and uh, what was it, uh, 2015 or so? Yep, Yep. um, at uh, advancing justice, um, forum they they had put together, uh, in New Orleans. And I, man, we hit it off from there, like I said. So, I'm curious. Let's let's go back man. Let let's start with tell us about you man. Tell us tell us how you how what makes you breathe, brother? <laughs> wow.
1: Yeah. Um let me see where do I begin? So I'm um I'm originally from Scotland. I um grew up in a village across from Edinburgh. And from a very young age, you know, my I, uh, you know my parents kind of moved around a little bit so I um, lived all over the place and I think from that moment I was always not only being a middle child um, but you know exposed to different people and ideas and it has kind of become a central part of, of who I am and just over the course of you know my lifetime I've Lived in various places, but then you know, fifteen years ago or so, I found myself living permanently in the United States. And I've always just kind of been drawn to um, working and collaborating with people of different perspectives and backgrounds, and seeing where there's, um, even if there's different difference on ideology or philosophy, sometimes. Um, retaining that curiosity about where there's overlap on, on principles and where we are in agreement with one another. And 10 years ago, I joined the then named Charles Koch Institute, which is now the Stand Together Trust. And, um, I was hired by this incredible mentor of mine, Katie Roberts, who asked me to do external affairs and, what drew me to the institute in the first place was hearing about those principles um hearing about the principles that really resonated with me being um (laughs) being from scotland and so many of these kind of thinking thinkers from the enlightenment uh hume and smith and people like that and um really having a extraordinary opportunity to go out there and in an external relations role building partnerships and collaborations with people and it really started off in um, bringing people together to talk about issues ranging from immigration to higher education um, to criminal justice reform and criminal justice reform had kind of been an area of that I take a pat taken a passing interest in, um, and then I think I was at a film festival and I think it was reason or the reason foundation had done a movie, um, called the war on drug on the war on drugs. It might've even been called the war on drugs mm-hmm. and, um, you know, beyond popular culture and kind of what you learn, um, in college or high school, you know, you, you, you I probably had a more of a passing understanding of, of what that meant in, in, in the United States. And, and this, this film connected with me in such a deep, profound way about the war on drugs being a war on people and devastating families and communities. Mm -hmm. And it, you know, look, when I was growing up in Scotland, you ran in, you had run-ins with, with police when you were um, messing around and they would tell you, okay, we've taken your name. You should probably tell your parents because we're going to call them tomorrow morning. Um, They would, they would never call. Um, But, but it was always kind of like, you know, a way that you kind of built trust and familiarity, right. With the people who are meant to be keeping you safe. And, Absolutely. Um, my exposure to this movie really went deep with me as as to the 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 impact that the war on drugs was having with with families across America, and it really turned me to want to bring people together from different perspectives, see if despite all the disagreement that we have in the country, if there were areas of common ground, um, again, around principles that we ought to, um, talk about. And, um, yeah, it was, it was the thing, it was my spark. It was the thing that I really, really immersed myself in had some extraordinary partnerships and collaborations with, uh, you know, the NAACP to the heritage foundation to, um, you know, the National Association of Criminal Defense Lawyers to um, uh, the ACLU and the Texas Public Policy Foundation. And it, it really spoke to me around the curiosity of bringing together people of different perspectives who are again rooted in those similar principles, while at the same time connecting with me in a way that I knew we were tackling an issue that was. So rife with injustice yeah. uh, that it really gave me uh, uh, a higher purpose in my in my work.
0: Wow, okay, let me ask you how <laughs> it, that being the the driver, how do you get to the commonality that people share when there's so much surface division? how do you get to that commonality how do you find that
1: yeah i think it's a really good question i think first and foremost listening to people i think people want to be listened to and um i i look back at a number of really great collaborations we've had um and uh even friendships um and i think it has to start from that perspective yeah. i'm really interested to kind of what drives you in this work why have you been involved in this space for so long what are your priorities um what's worked in the past and what hasn't and then i think again on our side you know when i've always worked on this it, it it's it's about leading with leading with principles you know mm-hmm. we at stand together a principles-based organization and have what we call the principles of human progress, um, which we believe are principles that throughout our history um, and, um, you know, other other countries that have led to progress, everything ranging from, you know, bot- bottom-up solutions, treating people with dignity, um, openness around solutions, mutual benefit, and self-actualization. So, really reminding ourselves that um, you know, uh, people want to be listened to. Um, we have to treat folks who sometimes might disagree with us on several other issues. You know, with um, with the dignity and respect that we that we think is critical. Um, it's also, you know, one thing our, our founder, Charles, is always big at talking about, you know, he he constantly refers to, um, you know, Frederick Douglass, who would always talk about, you know, a willingness to, to work with anybody to do right and nobody to do wrong. And I think that's a really important principle to follow. So it's um, there's obviously um, other ways in which we can approach partnership, but rooting it in that principle by itself, I think, is a really good place to start.
0: I would agree. I would agree. So does that or have you found that in those conversations, not just in the US, but across the world, that sometimes those principles have to be that they evolve and that through those conversations you find a new um a new fruit blooming from that? How does, I don't know if that's yeah. actually a question or not, but.
1: <laughs> Sounds great though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, no, that's a, that's a, no, that's a, that's a question. Um, I mean, I think some of the issues that we tackle, right? Like they do, we, we are mainly focused on, um, domestic issues. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I think we, let's go to the principle of openness. Okay. Um. So, if we're talking about the principle of openness, um, it's fundamental that um, you know, at the at the, the national level, we don't shut ourselves off from the rest of the world, and that we retain a curiosity about the solutions and cultural impact that other people from around the world are bringing to the United States. And I think mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. something that I often I feel a little concerned about that when we talk about immigration, uh, we, we were getting a little off base, but then also when it comes to the one-to-one conversations I could be having around criminal justice reform. Um, you know, I remember years ago, um, on the issue of policing and this was purely kind of coincidental. I, I didn't, I didn't orchestrate this, but, um, I talked to the, um to to perf um one of the leading policing groups and um i was really interested you know we we'd had the we'd we'd had we'd had ferguson we'd had baltimore and we at the then charles cook institute were really interested in okay let's let's um let's look at solutions here let's bring everybody to the table and we launched this kind of relatively informal coalition that we called the future of policing coalition and it was it was it was a fascinating group of people brought together but perf told me about um actually one of the leading uh places that you'll see in community policing is scotland <laughs> um really because nighttime yeah yeah i i had no idea and Knife crime is, it's never apples to apples, right? But knife crime was such a huge problem. Um, And this idea that if you are a police officer and you're, um, you know, facing somebody that you perceive to be a threat, are there situations where everybody gets to go home as opposed to um, you protecting yourself? And, you know... What was great was I got to sit in on in these conversations with um, people from um, police Scotland and hearing about the great work that they're doing and how, again, it's never a simple, it's very nuanced, but the work that they're doing in community policing and um, translating that work into other localities around, around the United States. So again, the people who are patrolling or the kind of the Bobbies on the beat, as they might say, the people who are patrolling your neighborhood are also people, you know, on a first name basis, and they know that they're going to do everything they can to ensure that whether it's um, you know very often somebody enc- encountering somebody who has a challenge with, with, with mental health or something like that. They're pulling in all the resources and all the extraordinary training they can um to make sure that everybody gets to go home so it's been one of the examples i think that we've um you know it's never it's never a simple well we'll just do what they do in scotland and in right. um i don't know um in fort worth it's never that easy right they're always very very different but again, learning about the principles that they carry forward um, in their day-to-day training um, has, I think, to your question, right? It it speaks to um, how I think these these principles and approaches towards um, our work across the eight different issue areas can be can be can be seem- often seamlessly translated.
0: Wow, man, that's fantastic! You, well, you touched on this premise of basically community policing in its yep. i think it's purest form um how how have you guys ha, or have you have you ever considered that bringing a larger group of of individuals in law enforcement especially considering the things, the the tension that exists in America today, have you guys thought about that? Uh, and 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 maybe even, well, let's get there first, and then I'll I'll
1: do the follow up. <laughs> no, no, I, this is, I mean, so I, um, while I no longer kind of manage our criminal justice work on a day to day basis, it it continues to be a, a a huge passion of mine, and and one of the um, partners that we've supported through the Charles Koch Foundation um, is the is the policing project based out of uh, NYU School of Law, cool. and that's led by um, Barry Friedman. Who, I mean, there are there are scholars and there are scholars, and Barry is. You know, just one of these, not just a a great mind, um, but has ensured that the the people that they pull together um, are also going to be additive to the organization. So if you look at their advisory boards uh, or other people that they pull together, it's a combination of people from law enforcement you know loretta lynch the former attorney general yes. you know from the obama administration is involved yeah. and then there's also people who are from um um uh you know civil rights uh entities as well um so again you're not having those conversations in a vacuum you're having those very open conversations with people who are engaged in the space um to ensure that you're um, driving at those solutions that are going to work for the communities that you're looking to keep safe. Yeah. And the thing that I think Barry has done so well is um, bringing in those perspectives, but also the world-class scholarship that they're pulling together, ensuring that you're having really robust conversations on the trade-offs that come with that come with law enforcement, yeah. um, but also ensuring, reminding people that we um, we have a bill of rights. Yeah. <laughs> we also have a bill of rights in America that is uh, is is not an inconvenience. Yeah. It's not something we negotiate around. It's it's a bill of rights, yeah. and the things that I love that they've done is um, I think it was even you know, a few years back now with, uh, following the murder of George Floyd. And, you know, uh, they put together research on, um, how police ought to, you look at public safety, but also reminding people, reminding police around, um, we have this right to assembly. We have the first amendment. Um, so, you know, working with police departments again, not just producing the research so it sits on the shelf and, and gathers dust. Right. But working with police departments to kind of remind them that, not necessarily just remind them, but like there will be instances with so many people, especially around a pandemic, but that you have to kind of look at the safety angle to it, but also that this is just something this is this is just this is there. It's a right. Um so the work that they've been doing has just been has been great it, it, and it's it really i think speaks to you know we very often at stand together refer to um we refer to paradigms you know sometimes there's the existing paradigm and there's the paradigm that we believe through applying these principles we should consider we we should be moving towards and it's highly nuanced right you have you have thousands of police departments so there's not just one form That's of right. of american yeah. policing but Absolutely. i think the thing that we are most troubled about is very often when you see circumstances with with militarized training or Mm -hmm. militarized vehicles Mm -hmm. um, that sometimes create a pretty awful incentive for departments to to use Um, and when you look at that paradigm where people often are perceived as um, uh, they often perceive the people who are meant to be keeping them safe um, as, as antagonistic. Yeah. And I'm, uh, we, the paradigm we want to move towards is one of public safety and community, um, policing, mm-hmm. um, where everybody gets to go home, yeah. um, where people, you know, to quote, I think Sir Robert Peel, you know, the p- people are the police and, and, and the police are the people. Um, so it's, it's again, one of these issues that I'm really passionate about and, I just think the folks at the policing project do such an extraordinary job. And, um, it's again, one of the reasons that I, uh, I love this work so much. Wow.
0: Okay. Well, that's a, I trust me. It's not that I do not want to talk about Mr. Friedman's work because <laughs> yeah. I am fascinated about what they're actually working on and the, you know, their past projects. Cause I love the, the, the the foundational component that it's not just research to sit on a shelf someplace that it's something to actually be operationalized that to be integrated into the community and as you as you say uh quoting sir robert peel (laughs) that the people are the police and vice versa um, which yeah. is a notion that we'll circle back around to because I believe it's imperative to the conversation about wellness and the impact of the correctional environment on everyone engaged in it. Um, but as for Mr. Watt, mm. what is it that, that and I think we talked about this at one point, man. What, when you wake up in the morning and you take that first breath, what is it about your work that excites you that 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 just you say oh yeah i get to do this i i have the pleasure of engaging in this what is it
1: yeah um i get to work with people who build partnerships, fund research that help people unlock their potential and live a life of meaning and purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're done. Um, you said, that, you said I, uh, that, like uh, it's I mean, just just this one off, did? Uh, you know,
0: <laughs> I, 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 I,
1: I am I am so lucky to do what I do, and and. Yeah, I, I I get to work with colleagues, you know, mentors, um, but also I get to work with grantees and uh people we partner with around this shared vision, this this mm-hmm. this set of principles to help people unlock their potential and live a life of meaning and purpose. And I, I think you know that's 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 what we all want, right? Yep. Um Um, so I think the thing that is really resonates with me is, um, and it, and it stems from this, right. Is this fundamental belief in people that we, we ought not to look at people like they're a problem or a challenge to be solved from, um, my home office or or your home office, or, Whenever I go back to our offices in in Arlington, uh, Virginia, you know each individual possesses something extraordinary and and that's kind of what I mean by dignity, right? Yeah. You know that we are not looking across society like people are a problem to be solved. It's actually kind of amazing, right that um, people it believed in and are allowed to be given an environment where they're allowed to kind of discover who they are and, and apply, um, uh, learnings and, and, um, uh, they can, they can do amazing, they can do amazing work. So I, I find myself, I, I find myself just, uh, I'm, I'm so lucky to do what I do. Um, and, uh, you know, to, to be able to work in that environment where I'm where I'm'm I'm, I'm able to help remove barriers that help people um, unlock their potential is just uh, is beyond what I could ever have imagined. so
0: wow that man, that's phenomenal that that is a dream to, <laughs> you now so let me ask how in that work some yep. it, it, well I, I know that in mine, I have challenges with systems when it comes to getting to people. Do you guys ever run into the problem that a system has failed to serve? And, and then the challenge to helping people is addressing the system?
1: All the time really uh, I, I, I mean I I think you've hit it there um, and this is this is by no means I don't think it's by ill intent, right I, I think very often it's um, with the best of intentions um, people develop systems, but very often from a top-down approach and with the top-down approach, you very often overlook, the the agency and unique insights that come about through believing in individuals and allowing them to kind of flourish as individuals um or or within communities um and i think you know sometimes we we run into that for example in in the education space and and i uh this is one of the reasons this has always resonated with me so much i mean i was not a great student I I honestly there was two weeks towards the end of of, of a year in high school stuff just clicked it, it clicked I don't know where it came from I was always interested in history and and, and social studies and stuff like that but the stuff just clicked and I was lucky though and I I I had mentors and and I had people who saw something. Yeah. they they saw something but again it was very much uh, an educational environment that and i think this is the case very often across um the world is that that looks at people like an average um and, and todd rose who's just this extraordinary thinker um that that we've worked with um a lot and and has written some just groundbreaking books um, he's talked about this, right? You know, when, when we treat people like an average, um, we're going to miss the extraordinary insights and talents that people bring. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think very yeah. often we have that in, in, in education. It's, we, we, <laughs> you know, we, 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 we test kids at such a young age and then if they don't meet meet or exceed the average, they're written off. Yes. And that then carries itself through to post-secondary education, where if you don't go to a four-year degree um, you're written off and um, you can go for one of those alternatives instead. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Whereas, you know, what if we recognized the, the agency of every individual and the, the purpose of education is to allow individuals to, um, uh, you know, discover, develop, and, and, and apply that, their yeah. unique aptitudes and gifts that yeah. we all have. By the way, yes. we all have them. Um, so definitely, I think very often there are systems that are developed that that uh, just just come about sometimes with the best of intentions. But when they're developed from a top-down approach, they often overlook the inherent dignity and um, extraordinary skills and talents that we all possess. And, um, Amen, brother. And uh, that's again what we are seeking to uh, seeking to address.
0: Wow! Wow. Okay. So how? Wow, man! You've given me a lot of. <laughs>
1: We've got like three hours, right?
0: <laughs> if, if only, if only. Um, <laughs> what 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 do you believe are barriers that prevent the space that teachers yeah. mentors need to to allow them to see that in each child or or each person?
1: Yeah. Um. You know, I think they see it. I, 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 I want to give teachers an extraordinary amount of credit here. Like, I, I, um, I think when it comes to, um, you know, curriculum and, uh, it's actually an area, despite what people, some people, might think. You know, we have a ton of alignment, for example, with 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 teachers' unions around, um, around testing, uh we don't think it's, um, necessarily the the best way to, you know, looking at averages to, um, something, you know, that, 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 you know, a test that, uh, a a young person might be going through is a, is a great indicator of whether they're going to succeed or, or, or or fail in life. Right. So I think there's, this is what I mean by principles very often, like there's, there's a lot of kind of common ground there. And I think, I think teachers see it. I, I I think it's, um. I think it's per, in in many instances it's just been you know very often this is the norm. This is this is just you know schooling um, is synonymous with with education. Yeah. Um, you know we think of education as existing in a in a brick and mortar building, right? Yes. Whereas it can really take place anywhere. Yeah. Um and, um, when you look at extraordinary innovators like Khan Academy, for example, um, they're coming now and equipping teachers, uh, even further. So, t- so they can apply, so teachers can apply their gifts and, um, finding ways to, um, uh, help learners realize their passions through, uh, through technology and other, other ways to kind of, um, um, Uh, expand their learning experience i mean so i think it's just very often it's it's uh it's a hesitation around uh exploring something new but you know we we see barriers throughout society i mean one of the areas we have been deeply engaged in is is the area of occupational licensing is Hmm. which i think now is probably about a third of professions and it's I, I remember one of the first times I, I went into a prison and and I was, you know, there's the prison barber and it was um yeah, when he gets out though, he he's not gonna be able to get his barber's license. Insane. Or there's even like um other professions that extraordinary well, yeah. brilliant organizations like the Institute for Justice and others have have sought to kind of um go after like uh like hair braiding in some places that are so kind of deeply connected to culture and in in, in in the black community are are you need a license yeah. and uh so there's stuff like that we see barriers all the time that prevent people from um again like developing a skill set or sometimes it's something they already have but then using the extraordinary gifts that they have to creating a really good living for them and their families so they can go on and self-actualize and inspire others so we see it throughout society and um we really believe that kind of our approach again uh through recognizing the dignity of every individual is is a really good start to kind of explore solutions
0: man wow (laughs) look man yeah i i'm uh look I, I already i already told you i i love what you guys are doing um i i'm 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 even more enamored hearing some of the detail about it um can we talk more about this principles? the guiding yep. principles what you uh, what are what are they and 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 how do you how do you operationalize them
1: yeah it's a great question um so let's i think when we look at um moments in history or time in history where you have seen progress, um, innovation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's only 300 years ago that, um, uh, you know, in, uh, in, in, in Western Europe or so, like, you if you even developed something innovative, you, you didn't necessarily get to keep it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you, uh, the king owned that. So even if you were in an environment where you could think freely and come up with something brand new yeah. um, that would change people's lives, um, you didn't necessarily get to own it. So when we're talking about what we view as the principles of human progress, we're talking about those five principles that I talked about. And and look, there are principles that kind of grow out of those principles, right? And this isn't a... Hey, these are the five things that you must follow, and if you don't, you're not following progress, right? It's 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 never that strict. It's it's uh, it's a set of principles that um, that that we believe are a good indicator of demonstrating um, growth and innovation throughout history. Um, so, whenever we're approaching a challenge, you know we. Um, or even a, a like an an issue area, mm-hmm. and we could be in conversations with a, a partner organization. The, the The thing that we'll start off with is is you know we'll 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 look at vision. Is there a shared vision? Is there this belief um, that we want to help um, apply these principles to help these folks unlock their potential and live a life of meaning and purpose? Yeah. So is this. Is this individual organization, do they believe in kind of bottom up solutions or are they going to take something that um, they've seen a challenge with one individual um, and they then think that ought to be kind of applied um, to 330 million people? Like, is this really kind of a, a belief in providing a framework or guidance for people to, to, to drive solutions at the local level? Or is this kind of a one-size-fits-all approach? Mm. Um, and I go back again to dignity. Uh, you know, when we, are we approaching these challenges, recognizing the dignity of every individual, treating those individuals with dignity? Um, and then openness again, like, um, which I love because it speaks to, you know, c- kind of speaks to the example I was just talking about. You know, without openness, um, you don't really get innovation, you don't get change, you don't get challenge, you don't get disagreement you don't get like people coming in uh, right, 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 and offering a different way um and then this idea of mutual benefit, which I think is is in direct um opposition to the principle of zero sum, right you know, yes, when Adam Smith would talk about you know how crazy is it that the butcher the brewer and the baker could all come together without any kind of like deliberate orchestrated um centralized um uh program and still help each other out yes um you know is kind of extraordinary and and i think other thinkers like hayek made a made a similar um observation um that the, we can help each other, right? Like you can create something and then I can buy off you and then I can create something you can buy off me in a way that is mutually beneficial. Yes. Or we can, as opposed to this idea of everything being, being zero sum, if I win, you have to lose. And if you win, you know, I lose as well. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, self-actualization is just kind of this kind of principle that I think Maslow talked about around kind of these in, inherent human needs um, this idea that you kind of become something larger than yourself, um, and the work that you do is kind of, um, um, bigger, bigger than you as an individual. And, um, you know, those, those are like principles that we think that when applied, um, can do, uh, you know, extraordinary things. And, um, yeah it's it's we're constant we, we 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 change them very often we evaluate them we change the language you know it's part of our culture that we need to be very open again openness <laughs> we need to be very open to challenge and different ideas and it's it's what makes this environment so rewarding so
0: man that that's fantastic now given that the, the <laughs> I, I know some of the listeners will be like, wait a minute, Coke brothers. <laughs> Can you give us a little insight as to why, why people should believe that there's this, I, cause I, I know, I know you, I know your heart yeah. is just fantastic. Why should people believe that stand together, the Code brothers, have something that is of mutual benefit? Sure. Seep poured into this.
1: Yep. Yeah, I I refer to our principles in action. Yeah. I um, I'm in. I'm I'm not only incredibly proud of our work, but also what those principles look like in action. And let's look at a few years ago with the passage of the First Step Act, um, the most landmark criminal justice reforms passed in years. Um, no, like, you know, decades. Decades, um, yes. Um, and those principles that I talked about, again, the, 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 what Frederick Douglass talked about, the willingness to work with with anyone to do right, that it doesn't matter about the ideology that people are bringing to the table, but those principles. So for us, it was just perfectly normal for us to kind of work with Van Jones, the ACLU, the American Conservative Union, to all kind of come together in exploring solutions that were ultimately passed into law. And I also kind of look back at You know we work across eight different issue areas but um that approach isn't unique to to criminal justice right like we will on immigration our immigration system desperately needs reform and we will work with um organizations across the board that you know might be perceived to be left right you know but again um think that we need to think really seriously about um, again the principles of dignity and openness around our immigration system um, so uh, you know and and the the another, another area of, of common ground that I often re- that I've already talked about is is occupational licensing you know this idea that people just sometimes have these extraordinary skills whether they've gone through a program or not and they are prevented from um, from working, from, from experiencing the dignity of work because of a, very often an, an arbitrary law that has been used to stifle competition or keep people out. Yes. So I, I, you know, we, we're always um, collaborati- collaborating with new partners. Um, but again, I, I, I go back to principles. I go back to principles and what those principles look like in action and, um, it's, uh, always an exciting way to, to approach our work.
0: Man. yeah. Look, judge me by what I do, not what you believe I stand for.
1: Yeah. I, yeah. I, I dig that, man. I dig that.
0: Look, okay. Let's, I know that Jay-Z going to jump in here in a minute, man. So, but before we go, you've mentioned a couple of, of, of references, um, yeah, the gentleman Todd uh, Todd, oh, Rose. Todd Rose, yeah. Name of his book?
1: Yeah, he had a book, um, called uh, "End of Average," mm-hmm. um, which uh, was great. I mean, to me, it was like this reminder of, um, what we miss when uh, we again, approach the challenges that we're seeing in society through averages. And he also did this really great book called Collective Illusions that just came out Mm. uh, maybe about a year ago that um, I think we should all read. It's this reminder that, you know, um, yeah, we're all really, really, I'm not going to do it justice by any means, but while we're all deeply concerned around areas like division, it, it can there are certain issues that can sometimes be a collective illusion that um your friends don't speak up about an issue because they don't see you speaking up about an issue Uh, so therefore um again the work is so much more profound than that but it's it's really important especially as we kind of have these conversations about how we can come together based on principles and um look for look for solutions about some of the most entrenched issues that we're seeing in in society.
0: Wow. That's fantastic, man. Yeah, we we're definitely going to put that one up. Okay. Yeah. Um so last two things. Something you're reading now that you find or feel or have read that you feel is a must read.
1: Ah uh... You know, it's one of these questions that I might be kind of okay. So, so one of I, I I came across this book through listening to a um, I listened to it on a podcast, and it was this this scholar at Berkeley, Charlene Nemeth. She had this book called "In Defense of Troublemakers," Ooh. and I've told everybody about it. It's um, again, it's the middle child in me, maybe, but it's <laughs> it's around. Why people who dissent are so important, and she uses tons of examples around, uh, you know, work cultures and jury trials, even about you know why we need people who, who dissent and who disagree, who and in a similar vein uh, 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 another scholar right, george mason uh, called todd Cashton, um he uh he did a book about a year ago called um, the art of insubordination and think he, i think he even mentions dr Nemeth's um work um so you know again i think it comes back to, it's, it's one of those principles of openness right it's like yeah. If we want innovation we can't just have people um who go with go with the flow who um aren't willing to question things and who are always retain that curiosity about doing something a a new or different way it's it's how we innovate right yes so you asked me for one, so I've given you two. I'm, I'm, I'm good. Okay, <laughs> they're kind of similar, but it it's kind of a a phase. Like I was, I was really going through around that kind of type of literature.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I love those two. I, I'm definitely getting those, man. Um, quote that sticks with you.
1: Oh geez. Am am I allowed to say the Douglas one again? It, if, it's just it's that's what it is, brother. It, it it really is. It's 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 actually on the wall of our um in in our headquarters in Arlington and it's this reminder uh that um this is this is what we do and this this it's this um um inspiring quote from a inspiring man, um, who also had a, a deep love of Scotland, um, have to put that in there. Um, but, uh, just an extraordinary individual that, and it's this reminder of, of, of what we're meant to be doing, you know, that we ought to be working with anybody to do right. And, and, um, you know, nobody to, to, to do wrong. And it's, mm. it's how we carry out our work. It's, um, um, something that's deeply important to me and uh, it's, it's something that I uh, hope hope resonates with all your, your listeners as well.
0: Oh yeah man definitely I, I, I believe so look Ewing thank you brother I appreciate no. you being here um, no. it, it, this has been a blessing thank you no. Uh, no. And, no.
1: thank you so much
0: and, and look fam That's unfortunately the end of this session of Reason 55. I hope you have enjoyed this and absorbed something insightful and inspiring. I know I have. Um, I want to thank Ewing for coming in today and sharing with us, man. And I hope you'll be willing to come back at some point, brother. Because I know we just barely scraped the surface of this. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So again, fam, thank you for sharing time and space with us today. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please share it and rate it, review it on Apple or wherever you listen, especially Olus Media, <laughs> and, and give us a review. It will help us connect with more listeners. And if you have questions or, or guest ideas, send them to me. At Steph B at reason55.com. And look, you and know, before you bounce, man, let them know how they can connect with you and learn more about what you're engaged in and what what drives you every day.
1: Yeah. Um check us out, standtogether.org. Um, we would obviously uh love to hear from people if they're you know, we, we work with social entrepreneurs across the country and if, if people have ideas um visit us there um can easily submit them um also on uh on social media um you know uh uh, my name's spelled e-w-a-n um last name w-a-t-t so yeah and it's just this work it's this work and it's it's uh i really mean this it's it's meeting people like you as well um that uh i uh get to work with i get introduced to people like you by by other heroes of mine and i uh just count myself to be incredibly lucky to to do what i do so i really appreciate it
0: no oh, man thank you brother <sighs> again thank you for being here
1: <laughs> no problem.
0: olas media presents reason 55 media.